Welcome to another of these Ecclesia Conversations. Today I'm with Landon Nichols, a neighbour of mine, and we're going to be talking about befriending and sharing the gospel of Jesus with our Muslim neighbours. Landon, great to have you with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sam. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, me, me, me too. It's great. Just to say at the beginning of this, of course, as followers of Jesus, we are passionate about seeing every single person in the world turn to Jesus. Uh, we believe that Jesus is God with us. We believe that he's the way, the truth and the life. But we're talking specifically today about reaching our, our Muslim friends with the gospel of Jesus. And, and Landon, you have a particular passion for reaching out to and connecting with uh, Muslim neighbours. Uh, and to see the church mm -hmm. reaching out to this to this community of people. Um, but first, Landon, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, sure. So um, as you might be able to tell from my accent, I didn't grow up here in Britain. <laughs> so my wife and I and our two young sons, uh, we moved here to Manchester, I guess it was a little over a year and a half ago now. And we are... Uh, yeah, as you said, we're neighbors. So we're, we're here in Russia. I'm in South Manchester. We're working with uh, Grace Church and our focus is reaching out to Muslims in this area. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. It, it's been great getting to know you over this last last year. It's been tricky for you because actually the majority of your time here in the UK, we've been in lockdown, right? And so yeah, that's right. That's brought limitations on, on what you, you, you uh, can do. Um, but actually, you've sought to use this time uh, in, in, in lots of ways, but in one particular wise way, you've been seeking to, to, to connect with others in Greater Manchester who are reaching out to, to Muslims. Uh, and you've been doing some research on that and trying to distill the wisdom um, uh, from these people and, and put down your own wisdom as well. Tell us a little bit about that research project. You know, why, why, why are you doing it? Yeah. Yeah, well, um, you know, we, my wife and I are newer in, in this ministry and, you know, I've, my education background is in intercultural studies and in Islamic studies, but there's really nothing quite like the practical lived experience when it comes to, well, really anything, but I think especially ministry. And so the thought behind this project was, as you know, as you said, in lockdown, things have changed a lot. What we're able to do and, and not able to do has has shifted quite a lot and so i thought why don't we use this time to kind of glean some of the experience and the wisdom of these people who have been involved in this ministry much longer than we have and we've been so blessed here in manchester to to get um connected with a lot of different people who are involved in ministry with with muslims and have been for years some of them decades mm -hmm. and so instead of trying to figure it all out on our own we thought you know there's this wealth of resource out there mm -hmm. why not ask these people if they would be willing to share from their experience what they have found to to really work well what's uh, connected with people maybe what hasn't worked well and and how do we do how do we do ministry well uh, when trying to reach, as you've said, our, our Muslim friends and neighbors uh, corporately as a church, individually as well, or, or in smaller groups? H how do we do that? And, and what has that looked like for them? So that was really the drive behind the project. 
Fantastic. And we're going to dig into a few key areas uh, of your, your research. We're going to look at worship and, and church life. We'll look at evangelism uh, and we'll look at discipleship as well. So let's kick off with, with worship and church life. What have you been learning and observing about that? With sure. Or reaching out to, to Muslims. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I should say it you know, from the get go here that um, a lot of these things, even though we were talking specifically about reaching Muslims, a lot of these things are good ideas anywhere, <laughs> no matter, no matter who you're, you're seeking to reach in your church. Um, these things are, are a good idea to aim for because they're, they're biblical things at the end of the day. Um, so just want to start off by, by saying that, but yeah, the, what kind of emerged from this paper, um, from the interviews that I did as I was sorting through those and trying to, to, to pull out the themes of, of what people had said, particularly when it comes to uh, worship, there were a couple different kind of main categories that the wisdom, let's say, fell under. So firstly, what should we aim to be as a church? If we want to be effective and and sharing the gospel and reaching our, our Muslim friends and neighbors. What should we be as a church? What should our, what should that community look like? Uh, and then what should the church do? So starting with being and then moving to action. Um, and then finally, some, some points that, uh, that I was given on, on maybe certain things that a church should try to, to avoid um, in order to, to be effective there. And then we finally would look at, you know, what are the challenges to doing these things? Yeah. Talk us through, because one of the things, one of the questions I, I do like to ask people uh, in these videos is, is the question, you know, what is church? And, mm. you know, it, it is tempting, you know, to, to jump to the, oh, what should we do as, as church? And forget that, that you know, ecclesiological question. Um, so to, you, you said that you know what what should the church be and on what should the church do. What what have you been learning there about those, those two things? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, certainly I think uh, in the church as in life, you have to start with being before you <laughs> you move to doing. And uh, and and in the church, you know what what I found in in my in my research and my interviews with these. With these 14 different people from eight different countries uh, here in Manchester serving Muslims, is uh, we we really want to be a place of of love and a place of unity. Um, that was a really key thing, um, and of course, again, this is applicable everywhere. <laughs> this isn't just applicable for churches who who really want to to reach Muslims or maybe in an area where they have a lot of uh, Muslims living around them. This is for anybody, but it's also it's also a necessity when we're when we're talking about um, reaching Muslims as well. So, yeah, this idea of love. I mean, this is something again. It's it's very biblical. It's very scriptural. You see, um, you see Paul, and of course, the famous example in in First Corinthians thirteen, where he essentially says. It doesn't matter what else you do if you don't have love. You're it's useless. It's absolutely useless. And so, yeah, having a, a genuinely loving community where we are sharing the love of Christ with each other, 
so that when we invite uh, a Muslim friend or neighbor to our services, they see that love. They, they see the love of God working in and amongst us. And that is such a powerful thing. That's what changes people, mm-hmm. right? So we, we want to live that out um, in our corporate worship and, and when we gather together as the church. Uh, and so this idea of love and unity, they are connected mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, Jesus prays, you know, in one of, one of his prayers before he's, he's going to be crucified, he's, he's praying for his disciples. Yeah. Um, and, and in the middle of that whole discourse, he, he says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love each other. So there we see that it's a perfect example of, of love and unity working together. And, and actually, that's part of Jesus's plan for evangelism, <laughs> yes. is, that, is that the church love each other. And by that, everyone will know that they are his disciples and will know that's what marks us. Mm-hmm. Love that. I love that. And I'm just thinking about, uh, as, as you're talking, you know, our love for one another re- reveals the God that we worship, right? You know, our God is the, this triune God, three persons who, who are united in their love for one another. Uh, and so our love for one another and our unity uh, is is so important. Um, and like you were saying, you know, we're not just, um, I remember talking to uh, a Muslim background believer who, who's now mm. in our church, and he said, you know, we don't just want to be told the gospel we absolutely do want to be told the gospel but not just told the gospel we want to see it lived out and that, that's for him it was something that he observed in our church life and that uh, right. he really, uh, benefited from and was encouraged by absolutely absolutely mm. um so yeah I, I think it is really important to to start there um, and any any time we're we're talking about uh, reaching others with the gospel, we've got to start there with how how are we how are we living out yeah. this this amazing love? Uh, and as you said, not just being taught the gospel, but it being uh, a lived experience as well. Not just something in our heads, but something that affects the way we interact with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. And I, I guess there, there's a whole conversation around like the, the relationship between our Sundays and our gatherings where we do mm-hmm. come to devote ourselves to the apostles teaching and to prayer um, and, and the rest of our life, uh, you know, throughout the week and in our homes. Talk to us a little bit about that. Like you, you talked about what should the church be? You know, we should uh-huh. be living and united. But also what should the church do? And in particular, can you talk about the place of hospitality? Uh, in the life of the church definitely yeah hospitality i i really believe is such a huge thing which which is probably the biggest challenge to living under the the restrictions that we have been for the past year is that it makes hospitality so difficult there are so few ways in which we can do that now um you know aside from I guess what you might be able to call digital hospitality right. over over yeah. Zoom and things like that. But it's of course it's not quite the same as <laughs> as actually being in person with people, having them over for meals, um, just allowing them to be part of your life. 
but yes, this this idea of hospitality is is really important. And and as we think specifically about reaching Muslims, uh, hospitality is is a hugely important thing in Islam. Sharing food together uh, often goes with religion. So in in different mosques that I visited, particularly in in South Carolina, oftentimes they would have a meal together after the the Friday prayers. That would be just something people would stick around for and do, and they would they would just talk, they would share life. Um, after that, of course, there are different uh, Islamic holidays and, and feasts that that revolve around food. Um, so you've got uh, Eid al Fitr and Eid al Adha, and my Arabic's not great, so forgive my pronunciation there. But um, you know these these holidays revolve around sharing food together, going to each other's houses. Um, yeah, sharing hospitality. So it's it's such a a strongly ingrained aspect of the culture that you know most Muslims are going to be coming from. That if we don't have that in the church, it's it's gonna it's gonna feel like something's really important is missing. Mm -hmm. And I think that we in the West have a lot to learn actually um, from non-Western cultures and the way that they do hospitality. Because for us, you know, it might be, if, if, you, if you have someone in your home for a Bible study, that might, and you, that happens once a week, that might feel to us like that's a lot of hospitality. Mm. But to them, they might be used to going in and out of each other's homes every day. <laughs> and so we have, we can have different concepts of, of what hospitality is and what it means and what it should look like and sometimes what feels like a lot to us feels like not enough to them mm -hmm. and so yeah particularly when we're when we're thinking about how do we share the gospel well and effectively with muslims we really want to emphasize this aspect of hospitality because it's such a big thing in the cultures that they're coming from and even in the religion itself in islam itself mm -hmm. Could you give us some kind of practical tips on that like in in, in your experience have you seen that done well Yeah, well, I've, I've certainly, I've probably heard of it being done well more than I've actually seen it with my own eyes, but I've, I've seen a little bit of it for sure. Um, and I, I think a key part of that is making the church less about events and more about sharing life together. Because, and the, re the reason I say that is because, you know, again, to use the the Bible study or the the life group analogy, someone's coming over to my home once a week, and I might feel like, wow, they're coming over once a week. That's that's a regular thing now. That's mm -hmm. that's me showing them hospitality on a regular basis, and in, in one sense, it is definitely. But the question I think we have to ask is, do they feel like I'm giving them hospitality, mm -hmm. or do they feel like this is just an event? And so. Yeah, I think moving away from uh, an event-based way of thinking, and this spills over into the, the difference between uh, Western and non-Western cultures when it comes to the ideas of time, right? Mm -hmm. um, because sometimes hospitality is, oh, you, I'm, I'm showing up at this person's house unannounced, mm -hmm. and they, they didn't know I was coming, but they're happy to have me, and now we're having dinner together, and now I'm you know, it's past dinner and it's into the evening and I'm still there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And, and that's how it works a lot of places. And so, yes, I've definitely heard of, of some good examples of, of that happening. But I think it is a stretch for us mm. just because in the West, because of the way that we think about time, the way we think about what hospitality means and the way that we tend to think of ministry in terms of events mm. uh, that, that fit within a certain block of time. Mm. And uh, again, because most Muslims, unless they've become very unless they've maybe been in Britain for a while and they're, um, they've adopted that culture, that's probably not going to be their way of thinking. And mm. so that's one way in which I think we need to take a step towards them mm. uh, and learn actually from the way that they do things. Because in terms of hospitality, I'd venture to say it might be even more biblical than the, <laughs> than the way that we tend to do it in the West. Yeah, no, thanks for that. And, you know, I think... Um... You know, some of us and perhaps some listening will have kind of um, maybe have seen that kind of Sunday only Christianity uh, that, you know, we come together for an hour of a week, uh, an hour a week to, to have a service together. And then it's sort of at the end of the service, we'll see you next week sort of thing. And I know that is mm -hmm. the experience of, of many, many British Christians uh, in recent decades. But actually, as we look back to church history, and certainly as we look back to the scriptures, we see feasting all over the place. I mean, right, right. there in the Old Testament, that the Israelites' year was shaped around feasts, all of which pointed forward to, to different aspects of, of who Jesus uh, is and what he would come to do. And, you know, we look in the New Testament, we see, I mean, Jesus is just always around food and meal mm -hmm. tables. Mm -hmm. And of course, he sets up this meal for his church to enjoy week by week as we gather, you know, the Lord's Supper. Right. Uh, which, again, we, we've certainly in our church, we've missed this last year. I just think about how Definitely. he invites us to his meal table every every week if we if we uh, enjoy communion every week. And then that kind of meal should spill into our meals and our meal tables uh, throughout the week. And uh, certainly, I mean, I think I quote this every time I do one of these interviews, but mm -hmm. Tim Chester has this book, A Meal with Jesus, where he says, you know, so many people are just struggling to figure out, like, how, how, how do I fit evangelism into my busy life? And he's like, well, look, Jesus has given you three opportunities every day, uh, your meals. Mm -hmm. And uh, we can be so kind of exclusive about our meals at times. And you're right, in mm -hmm. lockdown, it's been oh, so hard not to, to have people yeah. in our homes or to be able to go in people's homes. But certainly when we get out of lockdown, we should be thinking, well, how do we welcome others and particularly uh, Muslim neighbours to our, our meal tables? Oh, well, thank you. Love, love all that. And uh, some, some food for thought there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anything else just there on um, what you've been learning about kind of church worship and church life? Yeah, I think another thing that came out of these interviews as it relates to to corporate worship and and how you know we might best uh, function as a church if we're wanting to be reaching Muslims and on this. On the one hand, it sounds very obvious, but we have to actually want to engage with Muslims to be effective there. Um, and again, that sounds very obvious, but I think it is worth saying because, you know, these, these things don't happen by accident. 
And so, you know, we might think, well, you know, our church is in an area that's, you know, highly Muslim. It might be a majority Muslim area. And so simply by being there as a church, we're, we're doing enough, you know, because we we're welcoming to everybody who comes in and, and that's that. Um, but yeah, one of the helpful things that, that came up in, in this interview process is that actually there are ways that, that we can be intentional to say, right, these, these people are at our doorstep. They, you know, Muslims in general are historically not super open to the gospel, but we, we, we see this need. We want to reach these people. How do we do this? how how can we intentionally take steps in that direction you know they might be small steps at first but how do we take steps in this direction and and again that doesn't happen by accident it takes some intentionality it takes some prayer and that's also i think you know an important place probably where we need to start really um is is with that Mm. that posture of prayer mm. and that posture of intentionally seeking ways to interact with and, and engage with our Muslim neighbors. That's really, really important. And I, and I think especially because if we're honest, um, there are people in the UK who see all Muslims as, as just a threat mm -hmm. um, in, in, you know, for, for various reasons. But for us as followers of Jesus, um, you know, we, 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 we seek to, to reach all people, to befriend all people, to see all people, right. uh, one, one for him and come to know him. Uh, and, and you're right. I mean, I'm an Anglican and, you know, in, in, in the Anglican church, we, we have the, well, in the church of England, we have this parish system. And I kind of like that because it, it's like, it, it means that every, every part of, 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 of this country has a church that's there. Uh, and seeking to reach that local area, uh, mm -hmm. and you're right. Look, if there are Muslims living uh, in our local area, in, in where our churches are, ah, oh, surely we must be seeking to to reach them and befriend them. So thanks for mm -hmm. that reminder. Look, let's. There's probably loads more to say, but let's let's move on to um, evangelism. What have you found? What have you been learning about uh, evangelism uh, in your research? Yeah, well, as as with corporate worship, the place that we need to start is with who we are before what we do. Um, and and again, this is this is what I was hearing, you know, multiple times in, in the course of these interviews that uh, the the character of the witness and i kind of divided it up um into the the character of the witness and then the work of the witness but the character comes first actually and you know the the old adage that actions speak louder than words yeah. it's a bit cliche now but it's still true isn't it um and so we have to, you know, we we have to be genuinely living out 
the life of the gospel, I think, ourselves before we can expect to be very effective in sharing that with others. Um, you know, we, we want, we want the, the presence of God to be real in our lives and to be obvious. Um, we, we don't want to share the gospel with a, with a Muslim friend and then, and then their response be, oh, I had no idea you were a Christian. Mm. Um, mm. We, we want to be distinctive. We want to, uh, to stand out to, as Jesus said, to be salt and to be light, you know, we don't want to, to hide that light under a, <laughs> under a, a cover. We, we want it to, to shine. We, uh, we want others to know that we follow Jesus and that we really are putting our, our hope and our, and our joy, uh, finding our joy in our life from him. Yeah. Um, and I'll just, I'll, I'll quote actually what, one person told me in in these interviews because I thought it was really powerful, and they said our our calling is is to become mirrors to Muslims. The more we are transformed by Jesus, the more Muslims will see Jesus in us and want Jesus. Instead of just getting the word out there, become the word. And I think that's that's really helpful. Um, so. Yeah, when it comes to personal evangelism, I think the place to start is to just to be really in love with Jesus, um, because it's it's in reflecting Him and and with Him Him and and His Spirit being obvious in our lives, you know that's what's so attractive to people about the gospel yeah. when they when they see that lived out in our lives, not not just when we you know articulate it well. Or, um, or when we have a good argument for why Jesus is who he says he is. Mm. But, but again, when they see that lived out in our lives, that's what really hits home for people. And they see, wow, there's something real here. Mm. And I want to have what they have because they have a relationship with God that I can't get within Islam. Mm -hmm. and and i want to know how that's possible and i want to know what this is all about mm. wonderful wonderful um you you said the you know uh, it begins with living living out the gospel and i think in that sense the, the three areas that we're discussing uh, church life and worship evangelism and discipleship actually are just all all intertwined right as we yeah, definitely. more like Jesus, as we follow him as disciples, kind of are uh, naturally kind of want to share share Jesus with others, not only our words, but our mm -hmm. lives. And we do that in the context of, of church life and worship. We do it together. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Good man. And so this, this um, talk to me a little bit more about uh, this, this, um, the importance of, I mean, you put it in, in your research, you'd be honest about your own captivation with Jesus. Talk about him like he's your mm -hmm. best friend. Talk about him like he's your only hope. Talk to us a little bit more about, about that, if you would. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, I think this just comes down to to understanding that the gospel rightly for ourselves um, first and understanding that 
Oh, Jesus, Jesus is just amazing. <laughs> like, like really, because, you know, we, we were utterly hopeless and helpless and enemies of God and, and into that hopeless darkness and, and bondage to sin and, you know, being in the, in the, in the grip of the evil one, Jesus steps in and, and because of nothing that we've done, you know, to earn it by grace alone, he, he steps in and, and rescues us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the gospel is so much deeper than because I believe in what Jesus did on the cross, I'm not going to go to heaven when I die. Mm-hmm. Now that's true, but I think there's a, a very deep, rich and real sense in which that eternal life begins now. Because now, you know, once once we come to to Christ in faith and and confess Him as Lord and 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 receive the the offer of salvation that that He's handing it that He's holding out to us, mm-hmm. uh, then yeah, He becomes our our life and our, our source of of joy and our source of of hope. Yeah. And when we're living out of that place again, that's very that's that's what captivates people that's when they're like wow you know i don't have that hope or i don't have that level of of joy mm. but i want to yeah and and i want to know who this jesus is that they're talking about mm. and so you know i think sometimes we were ashamed of of our own love for god and it almost feels maybe too um, too personal to to share, or we feel like it's uh, you know it could be misunderstood, and it can be. It certainly can be. But I think it's I think it's necessary. That's part. I think that's part of bearing witness to to Jesus is to be honest about um, you know as you said, be honest about our own captivation with Jesus that he is really just the best. (laughs) He's the best thing. That's why we're out here doing this, right? That's why we want to share the gospel with people. Um, Because we want people to have life and to have joy and to have freedom and to have hope and to have peace. And Jesus is the way. Like, he is the way and the truth and the life. Yeah. And and we we want Jesus to be to be honored and to be glorified as well, right? It's a, it's not an either or thing. It's a both and. It's it's for the glory of God and the good of, of the people that we're sharing with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think it is so important that we are open about those things. And and again, you can't you can't talk about Jesus like this unless you're experiencing experiencing him like this. Mm-hmm. And so we have to taste and see that the Lord is good for ourselves first. We have to be, um, yeah, captivated by by Jesus, in love with Jesus, so that when we're interacting with our Muslim friends and neighbors, it can just kind of spill out, and they can see, oh, you know, I w- I want to have this kind of relationship. Glorious, glorious! <laughs> I love all that. Absolutely. And it is, you know, out, out, the, um, out the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, we mm, talk right. about what, we, what we, we love. 
And I like what you are saying earlier, you know, the gospel is far more than that, you know, um, you know, get out of hell free card sort of thing. Jesus is that. And it's like, you know, you think about Mark, Mark 1, 1, the beginning of the good news, the gospel about Jesus. And then like Romans 1, it's like Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. What? Regarding his son. So it's like the gospel is Jesus. Like mm -hmm. he's the good news. Mm -hmm. And you know, he the good news that he became one of us, that he's our brother, that he lived the perfect life that we haven't lived, that he died our death, that he rose again in glory, mm -hmm. that he's ascended as our brother to the highest heaven, praying for us, interceding for us, that he's coming back again to make all wrongs right and establish his new creation earth. It's like, yeah, he is the good news. And you're right, it's just, in a way, like, if, if, if people forget everything else that, that's been said today, you know, what you've just been talking about there, it is so important, just the simplicity of talking about Jesus and offering people him. Um, mm -hmm. And actually, I don't know about you, but, I found that particularly in a sort of, um, in the kind of uh, culture that we're in right now, with, with lots of different religions and lots of people talking about God, mm -hmm. or whatever that means, it, it's just a word that's so empty now, um, or, or could mean right. so many different things. You know, I hear about, you know, some of these new atheists talking about God. I'm like, dude, I don't know what God you're talking about there, but it's not Jesus. Um, right. And I find actually it's more helpful when I'm talking with Muslim friends just to talk about Jesus. I mean, he is the mm. living God. Uh, and yeah. we just know where we're at when we're just talking, using his name and not being ashamed of that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And like like Jesus says before he, uh, you know, when, when he's about to be crucified and, and Philip says, you know, Lord, just, just show us the Father and that'll be enough for us. <laughs> and he says, you've been with me so long and you still don't understand. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Absolutely. And so, yeah, you're right. Like Jesus is the, and as it says, I think in Hebrews, he's the exact representation yeah. of the Father. And so, yeah, yeah if, we're, if we're talking about Jesus, we don't have to be afraid that, you know, somehow we're, we're missing something because mm. he is the exact representation of God the Father. If you want to know what God the Father is like, then you look at Jesus and then you can see. Oh, glorious, glorious. And there's so many Bible references going on my head. I love that whole section in Colossians 1, where it's like mm. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So just like you say, if you want to know what God's like, look to Jesus. And then all that stuff on like, um, all things were made by him. And right. for him, it's like, if you want to know meaning meaning and purpose and what you've been made for, it's Jesus. Yes. Um, and I love, like, sometimes at church, you know, at Christmas or, or Easter or any Sunday in a way, you know, putting up a picture of, like, you know, a baby in a manger and just saying, you know, and, and that's Jesus. Say, that's right, right. God. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's God. Like, mm. as Christians, we believe that that baby helpless and um, right. dependent that's god uh, and of course you know we could put up a picture or, or talk about christ on the cross and say likewise that for us is god mm -hmm. you get that moment in mark don't you in the centurion where it's like throughout the book of mark no one sees jesus as the son of god except god the father 
and the demons like right. yeah, this is it and then it's only at the end where the centurion's looking at jesus hanging on the cross dying for his enemies and he says that's the son of god it's almost mm -hmm. like to say if you if, if you want to know who god really is look to look to jesus hanging on the cross loving his enemies right. dying for those who persecuted him and that's just such a different vision of god to to what our muslim friends believe mm -hmm. right? absolutely absolutely yeah mm. well just to kind of press into that camp in that explore that with them i think it's so important right in evangelism yes 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 100 percent. 100 percent. and have you found like is your kind of uh, reading the bible with 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 muslims or, or or talking with them have you found any kind of books of the bible that have been helpful to to go to in particular or any books that you've found helpful to work through with people Mm -hmm. yeah so there there is a, a muslim guy that i've been reading the bible with and we've been going through um the book of luke mm. and yeah i think as as we've just been talking about you know we want to we want to talk about jesus with them and so i think the gospels are a good place to start um because they they have they have an idea in their head of what jesus means because Jesus is talked about in the Quran and and he's he's held in, in high esteem by Muslims. But of course, they don't believe that he's the son of God. They just believe he's just another prophet. Um, so, yeah, kind of reading the Gospels and aiming to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to them through the word of God to correct those very shallow ideas of jesus that they have in their in their minds and to, to deepen those and for them to come to realize oh wow this he, he's not just a prophet like <laughs> this is saying that he's much much more than that yeah um and uh yeah i think i think that is you know where we need to start mm, absolutely wonderful wonderful Anything else you'd like to share just there on, on evangelism? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if you want to get into there's some there's some uh, controversy in this in this area. <laughs> um, <laughs> we can because people controversy. <laughs> <laughs> because people have different ideas of, of exactly hmm uh what the best way is to to approach evangelism with with a muslim in particular um and so i guess yeah i won't get into the specifics of exactly what those are but just to acknowledge that that's there mm. uh, there's a lot of debate about that within um theological and missiological circles you know exactly how do we do this what's the best way do we start with uh just you know do we do we build a friendship sometimes over years before we share the gospel do we just launch right in do we go right to jesus the son of god or do we kind of ease into those historically uh problematic let's say areas for muslims the ones that they would tend to, to react strongly to um so there's differences in opinions of of how how to best do that and what tends to be the most helpful um and the the stance that I 
well, the line that I tried to walk, let's say, uh, in the paper is, you know, I think God has worked through the different approaches. God has worked through people having a slow and steady relationship with the Muslim, where they, they share the gospel more and more over time. And people have come to faith in doing that. And Muslims have come to faith through, um, you know, street evangelism as well, or just, you know, someone giving them a very clear explanation of the gospel of who Jesus is, mm. you know, from the get go. And so I think it just depends. And I think that's, that's where we need to, to know what God is calling us specifically to do. If he's calling us to be, to, to take a slower approach or to take a, a more direct approach. Um, I think there can be merit in, in either one. Um, but yeah, just, just to, to say that probably of all the different things that I uh, wrote about and that came out of these interviews, that was where the people I was interviewing had probably the most disagreement, Sure. where there was the most kind of tension of ideas there. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's okay. You know, it's okay for us as Christians to not, uh, think exactly the same way about everything <laughs> the reality is that we don't in so many ways um, yes but yeah no that's helpful i i guess you were saying earlier you know we're, we're to be mirrors of, of christ mm -hmm. and i guess one thing that we wouldn't want is for someone to be shocked you know weeks down the line that we're, we're a christian that follows jesus definitely and i guess whether we take the relational approach or the very direct approach mm -hmm. um, Make, you know making sure that we're, we're clear about the, the fact that we're followers of jesus um, mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely and of course even if you're going for that um the, i want to i want to i want to say it all right from the off i mean you hope that we are actually seeking to be in relationships with the people we're trying to read right definitely definitely yes yeah and i i, I think that's a good point that um the, the tension doesn't have to be as, it doesn't have to be, be quite so either or as, um, as we might tend to think, yeah. you know, either I'm, hmm. you know, in the street sharing the gospel with Muslims or I have Muslim, like long-term Muslim friends. No, ideally you can, you can find a balance there where you can do both. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, just another thing I'd, I'd say in terms of, evangelism and i think is really important to remember is at the end of the day it's god's work mm, yeah it's not up to us um so i can go about evangelism in the wrong way quote unquote the wrong way <laughs> and god can still use it you know like i've um i've heard of people of muslims coming to faith in just strange ways <laughs> <laughs> before um i mean obviously you know you you hear a lot about muslims coming to faith in christ through their dreams and jesus and that that's wonderful uh and i'm not talking about that but uh, a professor of mine in in university told me that uh there was an iranian woman who came to faith through reading the left behind series um on a plane <laughs> that someone handed it to her and she read it and became a christian and her whole family did as well um and 
God works yeah. in mysterious ways. <laughs> he definitely does. He definitely does. And, you know, that doesn't mean that we should now adopt that as our approach to, to ministry. But it, it, I think it does emphasize the fact that, you know, God's sovereign. He's in control. And, you know, we, we want to do the best that we can. But at the end of the day, the results are up to him. Um, and, and we don't have to, we don't have to be, uh, in a hurry. So, um, yeah, one, one interview, or one person I interviewed told me, um, Satan is in a hurry. God is urgent. Mm. <laughs> and there is an, a, there is a difference between urgency and, and hurry. And yeah, we, we urgently want our Muslim friends and neighbors to know the gospel, but we don't have to feel like, oh, I've got to, got to do it right now. Otherwise, you know, this is, this is my last chance or, or whatever, or, or feel like we've got to, to rush. Like that's, I don't, I don't believe that that type of, of attitude towards it is, is from God, mm. but rather we want to, to approach it, remembering that it's God's work. Yes, it's urgent. Yes, for sure. But we don't want to get carried away and be pushed into hurry by believing that it's all up to us. Mm, absolutely. And just on that, maybe just a word on the role of the church in evangelism, because we can mm. perhaps be tempted sometimes to think, uh, you know, evangelism is one-to-one -one ministry or it's something that we do on our own. Um, any, any thoughts just on that? Yeah, um, definitely the church is hugely important when it comes to evangelism. As we talked about before, you know, the church being a, a place of love and a place of unity speaks volumes to non-Christians, uh, Muslim and otherwise, you know. Um, and, and I think, yeah, ideally... If, if we're sharing the gospel with uh, a Muslim friend, um, we, we want to be able to invite them into our lives. We've talked about hospitality before as well. So we, we want to be able to show them hospitality, invite them into our lives. And if, if the church is a big part of our lives, <laughs> which I think it probably should be, then we're going to be inviting them into that as well. They're going to be meeting uh, you know, our, our Christian brothers and sisters. Yeah. And and in that way, the church maybe not um, like in a from the front on a Sunday way, but uh, but in a sharing life way, the church is going to be involved in the in this one person hearing the gospel. They might primarily be connected to to me or to somebody else, but those other people also have a role to play mm -hmm. in not only speaking the gospel but in demonstrating the gospel in the way that we live individually in the way that we live together absolutely absolutely and i mean we we live uh, stones throw from from a mosque just down the road don't we and every right. certainly every friday we see a lot of uh, muslims going going over to pray and i do sometimes think to myself like if, if i was you know to share the gospel with one of one of those people and they were to turn to jesus um that 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 would 
uh, often mean that they 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 move out of, of that that community and right. we you know we'd expect that they'd move into the church community and i think that goes back to that first question or the first aspect to, uh, we were talking about there earlier about worship and church life just making mm -hmm. sure that we, we've got kind of church communities that would, yeah. would be able to sustain someone who's who's kind of come out of a community and then into an ours and certainly that sunday only christianity would not do the job um it's it's it is about uh, this the, all of our the whole of our life shared together uh, with jesus right absolutely absolutely and yeah you know um they say nature abhors a vacuum mm. and uh the the amount that a muslim is potentially giving up to come to Jesus is huge. Like their family could disown them. They could lose their community. We talked about how hospitality was really important in Islam, sharing food together, that kind of thing. So they very likely could lose all that. Even here in Britain, they could still lose that uh, if, they, if they choose to, to follow Jesus. And so knowing that they are probably going to lose their support system, their community, their friends. What what are we offering them to replace that with? And and isn't that the job of the church? Yeah. And you know, I think of um, when Jesus says that you know, no one who who gives up father and mother and, and brothers and sisters and land and houses for my sake will will fail to receive, you know. Uh, I think he says 10, 10 times more, or I, I'm misquoting a little bit here, but um, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong here, Sam. But uh, basically, you're going to receive more in this life and in the life to come, yeah. eternal life. Yeah. And and so we have to ask the question, how does that happen? Mm. Right? If, if a Muslim is going to lose their father and mother and home and brothers and sisters and friends for the sake of Jesus, how are they going to receive more? Yeah. Well, it's got to be through the church, Definitely. which means it's our responsibility, which means we, we have to, we, we have to be soberly aware of what we're asking them to give up when we invite them to follow Jesus. Like Jesus is worth it 100%. But are we willing, is Jesus worth us allowing them into our lives, even if that inconveniences us in some way? You know, we might we might end up giving them a place to live for for months or we might end up spending more on food so that they can eat with us more often. Or we might end up giving them, you know, driving them different places they need to go or helping them with with whatever. But are we willing to do that? Are we actually willing to invite them to be part of our family, the church family? Uh, because I think that is what Jesus had in mind when he said that those who who lose all of you know these things to follow me are going to receive more i think it's through the church it's through the church community yeah. and so um really we it's it's a tragedy when when a muslim does come to faith loses these things but doesn't find the church willing mm. to be their their new fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters mm completely agree i've loved being part of tcc um, my current church now i've, I've seen this done, done well in so many so many ways and 
know, we've had uh, Muslim background believers and, you know, Muslims have turned to Christ, uh, arrived in this country with nothing. The churches, and, and they will talk, a lot of these, these, these people will talk about the church as family. And, and mm. say, you know, we've, we've lost our, our families back home, but you now. Uh, I've seen the ways in which they've, they've uh, supported in, in so many practical ways. The church has supported them in so many practical ways. And a lovely moment the other, the other week where I was, I was walking around the park with a, with a, a Kurdish guy, and it wasn't was a Muslim uh, converted to Christ, and he is a guy who arrived in this country with nothing. I mean, didn't know any English, found the church, um, and it was interested. He told about TCC, and ended up walking up Oxford Road, and there was a big. I think it's a big Catholic church, and outside there was a camera that said CCTV, and he couldn't read at the time, and he still wasn't what was TCC. Um, but anyway, but he arrived, yeah, arrived with nothing. Anyway. You know, he's been been here for a number of years and uh, arrived at the park the other day with 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 two um, Syrian desserts. Uh, oh, nice! Only one of them, and uh, that that was lovely. Oh, wonderful! That that was so encouraging and a good challenge as well. And um, and maybe for some people listening, you know, when we're thinking about evangelism to to Muslim, mm-hmm. just that just that invitation to church might be uh, you know, might be enough. Um, you know, would you like to come to, to church this Sunday, see the gospel lived out, we mm-hmm. hope, and hear it preached, right. we hope as well. Um, right. Well, look, let's just move uh, with the last bit of time that we have to this final area of discipleship. Uh, we've talked about you know, how we worship as a church and our church life, and we've talked about evangelism towards Muslims. Of course, the goal, you know, we long for our Muslim um, friends neighbours to, to come to know Jesus. Talk mm-hmm. to us then about discipling um, Muslim background believers. Definitely. Um, and I think with some of these areas, we have touched on them already because particularly the hospitality piece, I think is, is a big part of discipleship, um, really allowing them in, into our lives and, and and sharing that with them and, and living out the gospel for them as well as teaching them. So that's one area in which there's there's definitely overlap between evangelism and discipleship and the way that we that we go about that. So yeah, from you know from the interviews that that I did here, a, a lot of uh, what people had to say on discipleship would really work for any new Christian. Mm. Um, but the things, the things that were kind of more specific to, to Muslims had to do with the, the differences in, in view of time and, and community hospitality, um, uh, you know, sharing life versus having some events. So it's important that we, that we approach discipleship almost in the same way as apprenticeship, I think, you know, that old idea of, of an apprentice coming to learn their trade with, with an experienced um, tradesman or, or a master of that trade. And they, they learn that by being with them day in and day out. They watch how the master does what they do. Uh, the master also watches how the apprentice does what they do. And there's, there's feedback that's given, 
there's kind of a, a life on life um, teaching that, that happens through that. And I, I really believe the discipleship uh, really functions best if it's in that way. Um, and, and again, I know in the West, in, in Britain, in America, we live very busy lives. And so we, we kind of have our lives sorted into different events mm -hmm. that last from this time to this time. And then that, that box is done, that event's done, mm -hmm. we move on to the next thing. Yeah. And, and that might work, that might work for, even for discipleship, um, with, with a Western person, but it's not going to work as well with a Muslim, uh, or, you know, a believer from Muslim background, because I, I think, yeah, just as we've said already, there, there are conceptions of time, um, of community, of, of hospitality are just going to be different. They're going to be more expansive, really, than ours are. Um, and as a side note, really, I think even even for Westerners, <laughs> it's probably better to to take a, an apprenticeship approach to discipleship rather than an event-based uh, discipleship program, right? Like, it's fine to read books with people, um, either books on, you know, growing in your faith or, or books of the Bible. And to have a set time that you do that every week, that's fine. But are you actually in that person's life? And are, are you allowing them into your life? Um, which is really the harder piece, I think. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's where the majority of the discipleship practices that are maybe more specific to, to former Muslims. Mm-hmm. Uh, came out of these interviews, whereas most other things would be largely applicable to any new Christian, you know, to discipling any new any new believer. That's really helpful. And just as you're talking, I mean, I think that's been one of the real challenges of lockdown, right? Um, yeah. You know, our church in particular, so much of what we do or, or would want to do, it revolves around homes and meal tables, and, and that's been taken away from us. And like many others, I mean, praise God, we've been able we've been able to keep uh, both our churches open for in-person services, basically all the time that we've been allowed to. And that whilst there's been restrictions on that and it's felt, you know, not not the same in so many ways, it's been good to be able to do that. But it has been a real uh, challenge not not to be able to be meeting in groups and over meal tables etc and so we've moved stuff online but it has sort of made us a little bit more like what you were just talking about you know events based yeah. and that's kind of you know i think it's important to have gatherings and meetings together um you know sundays are so key and prayer gatherings are so key um, but that's part of our this overall life together, right. and I just can't wait for. I mean, we've talked about it, haven't we? For mm -hmm. a few weeks, when gardens open up, we're just looking forward to opening our gate and, you know, having those groups of six at a time. You know, that'll be, yeah, such a game. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know, following Jesus, I mean, I love what you're talking about in terms of the apprenticeship model and that, that life together. And I mean, you know, hopefully people who are watching this are thinking this. It's like, yeah, that's what Jesus does. Mm -hmm. uh, he yeah. invites people into his life and they spend time together and then he'll, 
and of course he does teach them on the go doesn't he he's got he's got mm -hmm. sermons and he's got teaching points and they're discussing things and i guess discipleship is both about our, our thinking and our living like our lives uh, uh, need to be changed and transformed by jesus but so do our minds um talk to us a bit about that because i guess anyone who so not just muslims but anyone who's who becomes a christian like are, are coming with all sorts of ways of thinking that have been shaped perhaps by uh, you know the, the rock bringing or the culture or the internet or netflix or whatever it is mm. that need to be changed and transformed by jesus Talk to us a little bit about yeah. the of the mind and the life, just particularly with regards to Muslims. And what are some of the things that we should be conscious of uh, and thinking about? Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really important point because discipleship has to be deeper than the transference of information. Always, like people don't change because of of you know sitting in a lecture like that that can be uh that can be a catalyst for change you know that that idea that they hear can then spur on other things but um yeah i think and and we've we've touched on this already but when it comes to discipleship of of the mind and things like that and, and again, this is this would be applicable for uh, discipling believers from Muslim background or or anybody, any new Christian, really. But I think we have to really understand who Jesus is <laughs> and what that means for us, and we have to know him on an experiential level, and not just within our heads. Um, and we have to know that he's better mm. than everything else on offer in the world. Yeah. Because if we don't believe with our hearts that he's better, then it's not going to matter how much we know about the Bible. It's not going to matter how much we know in our heads about who God is or who mm. we are if we are still convinced that there are other things out there that are uh better than jesus that, that give more joy or give more life or are more fulfilling than jesus and as as long as that as long as that part of our mind and our desires is undiscipled then we're going to be i think severely hindered as christians and i think that the way that happens is by experiencing the goodness of jesus for ourselves uh as the scripture says to taste and see that the lord is good and if if we can truly do that then that makes all the difference really mm. it, it makes all the difference um then then we won't be always wanting to go towards you know these these other things maybe patterns from our past uh because they're you know 
sometimes it happens that God radically changes people's lives and, and sets them free from sinful patterns or addictions that they had before coming to him just in an instant. <laughs> but most of the time, that's not how it works, is it? Mm. And, uh, and so in that discipleship process, in that learning to live like Jesus, yeah. then I think we have to, again, um, I'm, I'm repeating myself a bit here, but, but we have to really be absolutely convinced in our bones there is nothing better than Jesus out there. There is no one better than Jesus out there. If I give my time and attention to Jesus, I am going to be, you know, more, more happy, more fulfilled, more joyful, more full of peace than if I did anything else. You know, it goes back to what John Piper's uh, famous saying, that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Mm. And that being satisfied in Jesus is so key. Yeah. It's so key. Uh, amen to that. I think it was Augustine who, who talked about sin being disordered love. Uh, mm. And I guess becoming a Christian is about ordering our love. To yes towards jesus and so it's, we are lovers um the question is what 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 are we what are we loving and what are we receive trying to receive love from and you're right it's it's only jesus that can satisfy one of my favorite verses in the whole bible uh, if i should say something like that is <laughs> hebrews 11 <laughs> hebrews 11 26 and it's moses and it says moses regarded disgrace for the sake of christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Mm. But for Moses, it's like suffering with Jesus or global super, the riches of the global superpower. And it's like suffering with Jesus every time. <laughs> it's yeah. like, what a, what a vision of Christ he must have had in order to make that call. Um, yeah. And, you know, not all of us uh, will have, you know, the riches of a global superpower as an option. Um, but we do have that choice every day, don't we? Will we will we choose Jesus, even suffering with Him, or will we choose sin? Uh, and, and 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 yeah, uh, as Christians, we know, isn't it, that Jesus is greater, as you've been saying. Jesus is the one who we're made for, uh, and fullness and satisfaction and meaning are only found in Him. So, love what you're saying. That that's glorious. And and I guess just. Kind of one one final point, maybe just tying it back to some of what we've been talking about earlier. Because I'm thinking about there's a book James Smith, um, who wrote a book "You Are What You Love," and he talks about mm. just the importance of like liturgy and habits and patterns in forming us as people who mm. love Christ. And perhaps sometimes we can think, okay, Muslims have cut, you know, Muslim background believers they've come out of a very ritualistic and habitual lifestyle you know prayer five times a day etc and perhaps we might we might think oh what, what they need is freedom uh, whatever that means uh, or we, but actually christian worship quite you know, as we look throughout the past has been very yeah. habit driven pattern driven uh, and, and um liturgical what would you say just about that about establishing uh, patterns of worship uh, and discipleship uh, it, it, for Muslim background believers. Any any comment on that? If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, 
I, yeah, again, I think this is an area in which um, people have differing uh, opinions of, of what's best to do there. Sure. Um, because from, again, this is, this is secondhand experience. This isn't firsthand experience, but from what I've been told, um, there are some, some Muslims that they really want to make as much of a break as possible with Islam. And so anything that even feels like what they experienced in the mosque or, um, you know, in Islam, they, they want to go like as far to the other end of the spectrum as they can. Um, now, whether that's healthy or not is another issue, but that's, you know, I think that is the tendency for some and others are going to want to, to maybe use uh, liturgies or forms of worship that they feel like are more close. They're, they're more familiar. They're closer to what they maybe would have come out of. Uh, and, and again, whether that's healthy or not might depend on the person. It's probably another longer <laughs> conversation, but um, yeah, as, as we've talked about with, with discipleship there, spiritual formation, I, I don't think, well, I know it, it's not optional for, for growth. And we all have a spiritual formation. It might be more structured or less structured. But our, our souls are being formed, yeah. right, all the time. Yeah. So the question is, what's forming our souls? Yeah. Is it Jesus and is it the word of God and is it prayer and is it Christian community or is it the world? Because um, it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, it's either going to be Jesus or the world, like always. So, um, yeah, personally, I, um, I find different, you know, liturgical practices to be helpful because I find that I need some structure for my own spiritual formation. Um, and, uh, and I would guess that I'm not alone in that, <laughs> uh, particularly being here in, in England. I don't think uh, I'd be alone with that, with, uh, you know, all the Anglicans I'm surrounded by here is great um so yeah i think that is important um and it's important too to realize that we all actually do have uh, liturgies it is not like some people have a liturgy and some people don't just some people have a more structured uh liturgy than others <laughs> but because liturgy just means worship doesn't it and uh you know so we, we all we all worship um so yeah I think it's, I think it is really important. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it, it might depend on, on the individual. Um, but I think the question we would want to ask ourselves, uh, or ask those that we're discipling is, you know, what, what do you really need from Jesus and, and how, how can we keep him in the in the forefront of our minds and of our hearts and 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 how how can we you know because so much of discipleship is about actually being able to open up our own hearts to jesus mm -hmm. and invite him into those places
places that we don't like mm-hmm. and that we tend to hide from other people and from our even from ourselves sometimes yeah and you know where where is where is god inviting you to change mm-hmm. and and how can we or, or how can you put yourself in a place intentionally to invite jesus into that space to receive what's true about Jesus in that place and receive what's true about you in that place so that he can bring the healing and the transformation. Absolutely. Oh, man. Oh, man. I think that's a good place uh, to, to wrap up. Um, yeah, this has been so, so helpful. And so much food for thought. You know, lockdown has been a, a real challenge in uh in, in 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 reaching out to to the community and it, and in kind of enjoying normal church life but it has given us a chance i think just to step back a little bit assess how we've been doing church life think about what it what it looks like to reach out to to our communities and, and of course the muslim friends as well and, and this has been so helpful and i hope it's been helpful for those of you who've been watching and listening as well and um, landon thank you so much for sharing uh, your experience and your wisdom and your research with us well absolutely and sam thank you again for having me on and the the wisdom really isn't mine it's uh <laughs> it's the wisdom that's accumulated from a lot of different people in this area that have been gracious enough to to lend it to me oh fantastic. it's just good to learn from one another in it and partner with each other uh, in, in making disciples of all nations uh, for jesus well, thanks, and thanks everyone for watching and listening see you again